Monday morning. Thanks for joining me. I have three thoughts I'm going to share with you today. Number one, most of you are aware I'm obsessed with contact cards. If you're going to open up your phone, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll roll the dice here. If you're going to open up your phone to recent phone calls, you should only ever be able to see names. First, last name, capitalized properly, no all caps, no numbers. Yeah, I'm pretty legit today. Uh, nah. Okay. Last Monday, a phone call came in and it's still digits and I didn't update it. It's probably one of those CRA ones, but even those I tend to save as their own contact card, just so I know that this is a number that has called me in the past that was a scam. I currently have 11,389 contact cards. Now I'm sharing that number with you for two reasons. One, to make myself sound just amazing. Okay, no. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, the other reason I'm sharing it, there's actually a gentleman in my orbit who has over 30,000 contact cards now. So he just is like crushing me. So I'm, I'm like a distant second, but at least I got somebody to chase. So I'm trying to give you somebody to chase. If you don't have 11,389 contact cards saved in your phone yourself, and of course, they're not saved in the phone, all right? The phone could go off the edge of a boat into the lake to the bottom, and it doesn't matter. Everything's in the cloud, right? Office 365, Office 365, all devices are synced. You send an email from one, it automatically shows as sent from every device. You delete it on one device, it instantly updates on every other device, the PC, the iPad, the two different phones, the MacBook, etc. Very, very important because you don't want to go to all this work and wind up with that work at the bottom of a lake. That's not cool. So make sure you have a cloud-based solution and make sure that every time someone calls you, you're saving their full name, you're getting their email address. If you've got a job title, you put that in there. In the notes section, you wanna put in how you wound up being connected to them. If it was a referral, type in the name of the person that referred them. That way, when you go in the search bar and you type in the name of one of your top referral partners, every single person they've ever referred to you will be listed as well. And you can see, hmm, yeah, how important is this person to me? How important are they to my business? These are all little pieces of that puzzle. I go on at length and I've, I've done it in workshops and I've done it in the books, but here's why I'm bringing it up today. This I thought was just such a cool story, even though it happened three weeks ago, I didn't think to share it with you guys until just uh, on the weekend I was talking about it with somebody It came up. So I needed to call somebody, somebody in Toronto actually, and let's, let's call them Bob Smith. So relatively common name, turns out I have three or four Bob Smiths in three or four different Bob Smith contact cards. And I'm out walking, uh, I was walking from one meeting to towards home. And I thought, you know, I'll squeeze this quick call into Bob in Toronto. And I just clicked the button and I said, Siri, call Bob Smith. So Siri called Bob Smith, but not the one in Toronto. Siri called the Bob, called the Bob Smith here. And the phone answers and I say, Bob? He says, yeah. I'm like, Definitely not the Bob I'm thinking of. This guy sounds like 25 years older. And uh, I said, it's Dustin Woodhouse calling. I think I might've called the wrong Bob. And he goes, no, no, did, and we'll just make up another name here. Mary, ask you to call me. And I say, I I'm not sure, I'm not sure. He said, well, you're the mortgage guy, right? I said, yeah, okay, now I'm going into my phone and I'm double checking the contact card. Who, who have I called exactly? And in the notes section, I've called somebody who was referred to me in 2009. I didn't close a file with. He was referred to me for a construction mortgage. I was like 17 mortgages into the business and probably didn't know, you know, I was gonna 
put a euphemism in there. I probably didn't know what was what. So I, I was probably unable to compete on a construction mortgage at the time for this gentleman, but the realtor's name was in there because I typed it in there and it was Mary. It was the same, he's working with the same realtor. And I guess Mary had referred him to me back in 2009. He thought maybe it had happened again. He might hit my name, ring a bell with him. And Mary had said she was gonna have her broker call him like three minutes before I called him. So this is just a total fluke that I have happened to call him. And I said, so you're calling about the, the property I bought and the mortgage. And I said, uh, I played along. I'm like, well, sure. I think, I think there might be a little bit of a mix up, but no, go ahead. What, what, what have you bought? What do you need? How can I help you? And so he explains a little bit. And, um, and as I say, sure enough, it's another construction mortgage. He's still working with the same realtor. And I said, I'm not the guy. I wasn't the guy 10 years ago when we first spoke. I'm still not the guy for different reasons now, because I'm obviously, you know, I'm not a practicing mortgage broker anymore. But I said, I have the right individual for you. I'd be happy to connect you with them. I will call them right now and they will call you back inside the next five minutes. Before I called them, I called Mary the realtor and I said, you're not even going to believe how this happened. It was, you know, a random misdial, but I understand, you know, Bob needs help. I've got the perfect person to connect them with and I'm going to, going to help get this across the finish line. And, and they had just gotten off the phone with their usual broker they work with who didn't want to touch the file with a 10 foot pole. So it was perfect timing. It was perfect timing. Long story short or shortish story shorter, bottom line, that wrong number, that misdial, but with all that data I had saved in that contact card, generated a $4,000 commission, which will hopefully result in lunch or a cup of coffee for me with the broker. I, I know it will. So like I say, 4000 bucks just for a, a misdial, but it wasn't a $4,000 misdial. It wouldn't have come that way. It wouldn't have come to fruition without saving the contact cards. The only time you should ever see digits come up on your telephone is when it's a brand new client calling and of course you answer every one of those calls you don't let those babies go to voicemail because you let that go to voicemail that brand new client they were given three different numbers by a realtor and now they're calling the other broker 86 percent of americans and probably 86 percent of canadians chose the listing agent that they worked with the real estate agent by who answered the telephone first 86%. That was the criteria. That was the qualification to be, you want to be a top producing realtor. You want to be a top producing broker. Answer your phone. That's it. Just answer your phone. You know, amazing. I, I, I still am blown away by that stat. All right. So that was number one. Number two, a whole bunch, a whole bunch of you. I hope every single one of you, because last Tuesday I said that the end of the call. I said, if you don't have access to the Todd Duncan thing, email me and I'll get you access, which I think four of you emailed me and I got you access and hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you got some gold out of that event. Sure. It's absolutely a bit of a feeder event into, you know, their coaching programs come to my seminar. You'll get many gold nuggets, which there were a lot of really great gold nuggets over the three days to say the least. And for a few dollars more, we'll lead you to the pot of gold. Um, maybe. So I've had a whole bunch of messages from people saying, should I sign up for the coaching? That's not an easy yes, no answer. Like not, not just from a name, should I sign up for the coaching? I, I, that's just not an easy question to answer. So I want to try and help you answer that question for yourself to some extent here with a, a, a few thoughts for you. So when it comes to putting money into coaching or training, 
you need to know what you're buying and you need to be very clear on what your goals are. And you want to have a conversation with that person you're going to work with that this is my goal. This is what I'm trying to achieve. Are you the right person for me to achieve this with? And, and be careful of the person who says yes to anything and everything. So number one, understand your goals very clearly. Is it more mortgage volume? Is it more income, more revenue per file? Um, is it more time in your life? Is it understanding how to hire and grow a team, how to build a team, how to manage people? You know, what does that look like? Uh, putting systems and process in place, et cetera, right? And is the content relevant and applicable? Is it just accountability that you're after? Like, have you got your own plan that you're clear on? You're not really looking for a lot of tweaking, but you just need somebody to hold your feet to the fire. And, and those are all kind of different types of coaching programs. It's not, you know, the, 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 the be all and end all. The Swiss Army Knife program maybe isn't what you're after. And the other things you want to pay attention to are, are you aligned with that organization? And are you aligned with your coach, you know, on, on some fundamental levels? And keep in mind as well, therapists and coaches are kind of like kissing cousins. Like coaches are like therapists without the paper, uh, without the paperwork behind them. So sometimes the therapist is actually a better solution. And I'm going to touch on that, you know, because a lot of times what we need isn't so much technical knowledge, right? It's confidence. And where does that confidence come from? Well, I'm the first one to say confidence is born out of knowledge. So the more you know, the more confident you can be. But that's not exactly accurate either. Because if you think about it, there's an awful lot of very, very intelligent people. I mean, think about like accountants, engineers, IT professionals, like these are some deeply knowledgeable people who are often really unable to communicate effectively. And they sort of top out at a certain income level. I mean, we all have the ability to out earn 99% of the mortgage applicants we will work with. 99% of people from all different walks of life, seven years of schooling, 10 years of schooling, deep expertise, brain surgeons, like we can actually out earn the majority of those people. And it's not because technical skill gets you all the way there. It doesn't. Technical knowledge only gets you so far in life. In fact, some of the unhappiest people I know are some of the smartest. And of course, some of the smartest people are also the most prone to depression. And maybe that's just because they see the, the futility uh, better than most of us. But what are you going to do? I mean, self-confidence is largely born out of self-acceptance. And before I go too deep into some kind of self-help spiel, I'm just going to say like, look, as an aside, but a relative one, why are you hiring an underwriter? You know, like, why are you looking to hire someone in your business if you're still cooking all three meals per day, cleaning your home, cutting your lawn, washing your car, you know, doing your own laundry, changing your own oil, changing your own brakes? These are all things I've been guilty of. Okay, more the brakes and the oil change than the laundry and the vacuuming and whatnot. Um, those are way lower cost things to do, right? Like, I had a team of three cleaners come into my place on Friday and they just went nuts for two hours. It was like just unbelievable the pace these three people worked at. And they scrubbed my entire place from top to bottom in two hours flat and then they were gone. And that was a way better use of time and money than me spending the equivalent of six hours, I guess it would have been at least, and I probably wouldn't have cleaned at the pace these people cleaned up. So it would have been like nine hours to do everything they did. Like they did all the windows inside and out. It was like they, they did it all. 
And so that's a higher and better use of your time a lot. And, you know, as I say, I bring this up because like, when's the last time someone vacuuming your carpet did it the wrong way and it cost you $8,000, all right? Like the, the, the skill set to vacuum or wash your floors is a lot easier than an underwriting skill set. So are you hiring the experts in your life to tackle the right things? And the same rules apply on the coaching piece. So like I say, do you need accountability? Do you have a vision that you just need to hear someone repeat back to you on a weekly basis? Do you have an emotional trauma that messes up with your, you know, your ability to interact with others? It messes with your ability to manage others. Like that's something to work through. We're all the number one thing holding ourselves back, right? Like the number one thing holding you back is you. The number one thing holding me back is me. That's, that's absolute. We carry shit around with us for years and it jams us up. So, you know, maybe a different part of you needs some work uh, more so than a certain part of your business. Like maybe internally, there's a little bit of work. And so I know lots of great Canadian mortgage coaches in the Canadian mortgage space. A lot of them fly under the radar. They only want a limited number of clients. They aren't out there to become a, a Todd Duncan or a Rick Ruby. Um, not, not that I am either, right? I mean, I wanted to help a very specific group. I wanted my own group to work with. And that's what I've got in the role I'm in right now. So there's, as I say, there's a lot of help in the Canadian space. It's out there. It's just not so simple to find. But I do have a core group of uh, a few different people that I work with. And if you want to have a conversation about what you're looking for in a coach or trainer or whatever, I'd be happy to do that. And a lot of these are like $250 per session type situations. And, you know, it's like per session or a package of five sessions. Like you're not committing to a big dollar 12 month commitment. Like you can just invest a little bit with one person, get what you need from them and then move over and invest a little bit with another person. And, and then if you find someone you really click with, keep moving forward with them. So I'm not a big fan of the big spend. I, I like to sort of test drive a few different things, figure out where I'm going. And, and you know, like I want to lease with an option to buy. I, I don't know that I want to buy in all the way. So like I say, if you're interested in some different ideas around who you want to work with on some level, uh, I've, I've made this offer a few times in, this, uh, in, this, in these calls and done a little bit of matchmaking. And I just got two emails last week from brokers saying, oh my gosh, thank you so much for connecting me to X, Y, or Z, uh, Jillian, Annie, Craig, et cetera. Um, they've absolutely changed my life, blah, 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 blah. So really great feedback uh, so far. So there's my thoughts on should you hire a coach? Probably yes, but make sure you're hiring the right one and make sure it's tackling the things that you want to tackle. Um, the third thing that I want to share is a little bit of a story I'm going to try and unpack here. It just it came up conversationally with somebody last night um, and I wrapped in my, my, my line of the day lately has been the problem isn't the problem. Right? There's so many times we're dealing with a problem or like we're dealing with someone who has a problem and what they're actually reacting to isn't really the problem. There's another problem behind that problem. So the, the story I'll share with you is, you know, at 14 years old, I built something really special out of Lego. It was a, a, a dune buggy, a little dune buggy, and it had these articulating independent suspension, four-wheel articulating independent suspension, which wasn't a thing in 1985. Yeah, I'm, I'm old as dirt at this point. But in 1985, you couldn't buy Lego kits that had, you know, like, 
I think they just come out with steering. So it had steering, but you couldn't get independent suspension. That was a big deal. So it was like seven different kits I mashed up. And I was really proud of this thing that I built when I was 14. And it went up on the top shelf in my bedroom and it would have just sat there. It would have been up on like one of these shelves right now had my nine-year-old cousin not come over three years later and just ripped the thing apart and I think took a few bits home and everything else. Now, where was I? I was out in a real car with a real girl doing probably some real adult type fun stuff, hopefully, 17, yeah, maybe, probably. But when I got home and I found my Lego dune buggy in pieces, I was devastated, like I really was. It was very distressing, like enough that I remember 32 years later. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't really do anger or like temper tantrums or anything like that, but things kind of get to me internally, right? You know, and, and I just pack it all down because that's what most of us 1970-ish vintage uh, children were taught, right? You just take those emotions and you put them in a jar and you put the lid on tight. You push that shit down and you move on and you get things done. At least that's how I was raised, but, you know. Works, works well so far. So, you know, as I say, the thing that devastated me more, I think, than anything was, as I recall it, 32 years later, I'm probably totally misremembering it, but it was like, you know, mom didn't really understand, like, what's the big deal? It's like some plastic bricks, put them back together, who cares? My dad was like, you know, you've outgrown that shit. It's, it's toys, you know, it's for, it's for babies. What are you doing with that stuff anyways? Move on. And okay, I mean, my parents are actually really kind people and maybe they were kinder than that, but it's kind of how I remember it. And the thing was like, the problem wasn't the problem, right? The problem wasn't that this thing was in pieces and couldn't be put back together, although it couldn't be. It, it wasn't that that was what was my issue. My issue was I built something special, right? I built something special. I built something unique. And it was, it was a sense of accomplishment, I think, wrapped around that. And it probably had something to do with the time and space and where our family unit was at while I built it. And maybe I got a pat on the back or something when I built it. Maybe my parents showed it off to their friends. Like, look how smart our 14 year old kid is who's still playing with, you know, plastic bricks. I don't know, but there was something wrapped into that piece. So it wasn't so much the piece itself. It was just the memories and the emotions around that. So I wasn't reacting so much to the pieces on the floor as to the loss of the symbol of something that I had accomplished or whatever it was. So the problem isn't the problem. And with our clients, I mean, that is absolutely a thing, right? I mean, that happens a lot of times. I've had clients go into full-blown meltdowns because they think that financing's not gonna come through. And I'm sure you've all had it as well, that person breaking down in tears. And that's when the real story comes out, right? Like the real reason need, they need the financing because you know, there's a separation going on and this money is going to be used for the down payment on the next property, but they were told they shouldn't say anything about that because they don't have a separation agreement yet or whatever. And of course, you immediately flush that transaction. You do what you have to do. You act within the guidelines of the framework of the regulator at all times. And we watch out for our lender partners. But you know what I'm saying? There's these emotions that bubble up over things that it's like, no, we're going to be fine. We're just delaying it a few days or, you know, it's taking a, an extra week to fund or whatever it is. And people lose their minds because we don't know what's going on on the other side of that. So when it comes to clients and when it comes to kids, we never really ever know the whole story. But one thing I can tell you, the problem is very rarely the problem. So to wrap all that up, to wrap all that up, number one, 
build a contact card for every single incoming call, text, email. I have, I think, 15 to 20 wrong numbers. I have contact cards titled wrong number one, wrong number two, wrong number three. One of them I've gotten so far over the years to determine that he is also a builder. And one day, that guy that made the wrong number call to me, one day I'm going to get a mortgage application out of him, even though I don't take mortgage applications anymore. But the point is you will not regret doing this. You should never have random digits coming up on your phone ever a second time. There should, that should never happen a second time. Save a contact card or block the caller, whatever you got to do, but you don't want to see random digits. Complete names, complete contact cards. Number two, get a coach or a therapist. Get both, right? I mean, get one who labels themselves as the other, even better. But first and foremost, get clear on what you want, not just out of your business, but out of your life, right? A lot of us at this point, it isn't so much that we want to grow the business, it's that we want to rein in the hours and take control of our lives and figure some things out. And I mean, I've had a lot of brokers tell me it's the best 150 bucks a week they spend is just being able to vent to a stranger because they can't talk to family about their clients. They can't talk to clients about their family. They got nobody to talk to. Brokering can be a pretty lonely business. And just like therapists talk to other therapists, I know brokers unload to, on other brokers and we talk about you know our struggles with each other and that's helpful to a point, but really we need to talk to an expert who can actually help us get through things. And then to wrap up that third point, get clear on why you can't let some things go. You know, and when you're interacting with someone in a rage, frustrated, devastated, whatever it is, try and be the one who takes a step back and realizes that the problem isn't the problem. Like the reaction may be disproportionate to what's actually happening. There's a reason for that. So, you know, try and be that person that takes the long, deep breath and takes a step back and tries to assess the situation. Because there's always more to the story. There's always more than we're ever going to know. And we don't necessarily need to know the whole story, but we just need to be aware there's probably more to this story. And a little bit of empathy, a little bit of compassion goes a long ways. And, um, you know, things run deeper. They probably do. So I'm off to book an appointment with Annie to talk about my Lego dune buggy. That's probably going to cost me 300 bucks now to unravel. But uh, that's what that's going to be about. So there we go. Six minutes to spare. Hustling a little bit. I hope... You got some value out of that somewhere. I tried to put some technical stuff in there, something to think about and something else to think about. I have guests, but I didn't write down who they are and I'm not even going to take a guess, but I definitely have guests Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm pretty sure I got all three days lined up and it should be good stuff. So I'll see you again in 23 and a half hours, peoples. And I'm going to jump off without further rambling. Have an awesome day. Happy Monday. Cheers.